0: Tonight at uh, Ground Zero meetings we'll be going through our ABC some more and tonight we'll be talking about condemnation. Um, condemnation is a a very powerful thing because it keeps us stuck in a, in a place of brokenness and, and a mindset that we feel that we're not worthy, we feel shame. You know that many years ago, you know, I was asked to do a group at one of the local rehabs and they asked me what I would want to do a group on, and and I said shame and spirituality. Because people that are trying to recover from sin, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or gambling or food or whatever it is that we're trying to get free of, that we have all these past thoughts of all the mistakes that we've made, and on some level, we, we don't allow God to set us free because we know how much of a sinner we really are. You know, and we think that somehow that God may have been mistaken, you know, that we aren't worthy of His love, that we're not worthy of His forgiveness, that the blood of Jesus, you know, it can forgive people, but you know, it, maybe not me. You know, and we, we stay in this cycle in our minds you know and when we stay in this place of shame and we stay in this place of condemnation that this unworthiness that i'm worthless that you know i don't even love myself how could god love me other people can't love me you know so we continue in a lot of the cycles even though we're trying to get free of them and we're we're trying to get free of you know a sin area we're trying to get connected to god but there's just this heavy blanket that we're wearing, you know, and at times that we we reject God's Word, you know, that, you know, if we would simply just ask for forgiveness that, you know, God's faithful and just to remove all unrighteousness, and yeah, yeah, that, that's that's good for other people, but I'm different. You know, and, you know, well, God loves you. Yeah, I know He loves you. You know, we play this game in our head where people say truth to us and we instantly discount it. We instantly push it aside and because you know we can't possibly you know receive that because you just don't know how I feel. And condemnation really targets our feelings, you know, condemnation and guilt, you know, conviction, you know, sometimes seem like they're similar but there's a twist you know conviction is something that i did wrong i've sinned in a certain area and i come to god and i ask for forgiveness and i believe that i'm forgiven condemnation you know may look exactly the same you know that i feel convicted of a sin and i ask god for forgiveness but then the enemy comes right along and says well god really doesn't want to forgive you you know you know you're going to do it again you know, and the enemy begins to, to drop his little two cents in there, and instead of God's word being our truth, we believe the lies and the deception of the enemy. You know, so condemnation is this thing that we perpetuate, that we continue to buy into the deception, we continue to buy into the lie, so that we, you know, stay stuck in this in this place of brokenness and. It's you know, we have a lot of things that we say, well, I'm trying to get free. You know, rather than receiving the freedom that Christ is handing us. You know, a lot of times that we're trying to work for something. You know, and it it contradicts what the real truth is in saying that God's grace is, you know, that no man can boast. That, that Christ has set us free because of His blood. You know, and we understand that, we could probably teach it to somebody else, but the condemnation clouds our judgment, clouds our thoughts, you know, it keeps us stuck in this place, and we go around and around. You know, in Romans 7, Paul talks about why do I continue to do the things that I don't want to do? And why can't I do the things that I want to do? You know, he goes on to say that it's our sin nature, that I have this sin that's in me. You know, But as it progresses into Romans eight, Romans 8, it says that there is no condemnation in Christ. That the blood of Jesus has washed all sins away. So if we don't believe that the blood of Jesus can wash these sins away, we continue to allow our sin nature to run the show, and we continue to continue to continue to continue to do the things that we don't want to do. Because until we believe that we're free in Christ, we can't start to do the things that we want to do. So it's this this understanding of truth that, yeah, I have a sin nature, but the blood of Jesus is powerful and can set me free if I receive forgiveness. If I receive grace. That I understand that He has washed away my sin. That if I don't believe that Jesus can wash away my sin... That I somehow have to earn it. In my mind, I know how much of a sinner I truly am, and I can't ever get myself free, so I try real hard, and then I slip back into the old ways of doing things. Because the condemnation says that no matter how hard you try, God's not going to love you. But we have to receive the truth that says that God already loved us, and He set us free because of the blood of Jesus. So, we have to begin to combat condemnation, deception, lies with God's truth. You know, and if we don't begin to recognize these areas of deception that the enemy continues to plant these seeds, that we hear truth and yet we believe the lie. You know, you can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, the other people can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus, but I'm different. You know, and it's so subtle. That we've been saying it for so long, that we've been recognizing the enemy's voice, and we think it's our own. That it's so ingrained in our thinking patterns, that every time that we take a step towards Christ and try to do the things that we want to do, that nope, not today. You know, I, I'm I'm not worthy. I'm I'm worthless, and that condemnation begins to to, to trip us up because it's a, this cloud that's in our head. And the enemy's voice feels so much more familiar. And it's how we really feel on the inside. Because we don't feel free. You know, in the rooms at Alcoholics Anonymous, I I learned that feelings aren't facts. And I've literally told myself that thousands and thousands of times through the years. Because my feelings rise up. And I get this overload of emotion and my thoughts begin to race. And at that moment, I can't think properly. And in that moment, I react to my feelings or I react to the situation and I gravitate to the first thing that's going to turn the noise off. The first thing that's going to turn the pain off. And Jesus isn't the first thing that's usually on the list. You know, we all have something that we know instantaneously will turn it off. You know, sometimes it's, you know, I just need a drink. You know, I just need to smoke a joint. I just need to relax. I've worked real hard this week. You know, we have all these excuses in our mind that, you know, create the the perfect scenario for my sin nature and condemnation to win time and time again. You know, well, you know I. I could just look at porn one more time. It's not that big of a deal. You know, and then we do it, and then instantaneously, as the enemy, you know, dangles this thing in front of us, like, you know, you want to do it. You, it, you know, you worked hard. You deserve it. It's the very same voice that the second that we take that first sip, that first hit, that first look, whatever it is, is the same voice that says, you suck at life. You're worthless. God doesn't love you. And it's this perpetual cycle that we allow our sin nature to direct our, our our thoughts and direct our steps and then the second that we take the bite of the apple per se is when that that voice flips the switch on us and begins to attack us and tells us how worthless we are and tells us how you know god can't possibly love us you know that we're never going to get free are you really even saved you know there's all these different things that the enemy begins to attack us And then we begin to believe those thoughts above the truth, above the Bible, above what we've been taught, above the Spirit of God, that we believe this condemnation, this spirit that begins to settle on us. And a lot of times, you know, we confuse this with depression. And we confuse this with anxiety. Because I'm trying so hard to get free, and our mind is racing, so we have all this anxious thinking and then we have all this depression because I'm worthless and I'm, I'm never going to get free and I'm not trying to disregard real depression and real anxiety because when we have this type of thinking over time it begins to release all these negative chemicals in our bodies, and we begin to, to live in this place that's very broken and very uncomfortable you know and depression and anxiety issues become real facts of the mind and, and And we begin to live in these very dark places. But it's not until we begin to bring each one of these things that causes depression or causes anxiety to Jesus and begin to believe the truth and begin to speak truth over our our situations that we allow the positive renewing of our mind that Romans 12 says no longer conform yourself to the ways of this world. Lay your lives down as a living sacrifice, and you will know that my will is good, pleasing, and perfect. That we have to renew our mind. That if I continue to think that one more drink is not going to matter, you know, if I sleep around one more time, it doesn't really matter because I've done it a hundred times. You know, what's the big deal if I, you know, just do one more? But that one more can last six months, years, ten years. You might not make it back you know we all know somebody that dabbled and we know exactly where they're living these days you know it, you know i have one of my best friends that you know i buried a little over a year ago because he thought he could just be in one more relationship what's the big deal she's a christian but she never goes to church well yeah but she believes in god but yeah, she's the one that's always in the way of you going to church. So we, we have these things, these excuses that we make, that we allow ourselves to, to stay in this place of doing stuff that I don't want to do, and then we get so used to doing the stuff that we don't want to do that we make the excuses of why we can stay there. Because the condemnation becomes the truth, and the truth becomes Judgment. So anybody that's trying to talk to us about truth and guide us towards freedom, oh, you're just judging me. Because I'm staying in this mindset that I'm worthless. Oh, you think you're better than me. Well, no, I'm just telling you that Jesus can forgive you if you let him. Yeah, you know, I'm tired of that. I don't need to go to church anymore. You know, and we create these excuses that allow our sin nature and condemnation to become our truth rather than heeding to conviction and repenting of sin and getting into accountability relationships and believing that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to wash these sins away. Now one thing that I've realized through the years is that I don't always recognize God's truth instantly. I remember when I was a very baby Christian and you know I'm dealing with the same issue you know, and I have people telling me that, you know, you know, Jesus forgives me the second I ask for forgiveness. And I'm like, no, you know, I have to earn it. You know, and then another person would tell me, no, that's, that's true. Jesus sets you free if you ask for forgiveness. You know, the blood of Jesus washes away that sin. Yeah, no. Because I'm believing the way I feel above God's truth. And so often we allow our feelings to become facts. We allow our feelings to dictate our actions rather than letting God's truth then begin to point us in and new actions begin to take place. You know the program has taught me you know move a muscle, change a thought. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous taught me that action has to be a part of my program of recovery. That so often I watch people try to get sober or try to get free of something in some way or another and it's just abstain I'm trying real hard not to look at that or touch that or consume that or go there or talk to him or talk to her you know I'm just going to resist but in our self-will it works for a minute because we're stubborn but at some point you know white knuckling it doesn't work because there isn't a renewing of the mind, and a true change in the heart, and we begin to slip back into the old ways of doing things. <clears throat> you know, so I remember very clearly, you know, listening to a Jason Upton worship song, and then through the the song, he says, "Let it go, just let it go, let the pain go, let it go, let it go, let it go," and he gets into this part of the song where he's saying, "Let it go" over and over and over again for like minutes. And all of a sudden, I had like this bright idea that maybe I should just let the pain go. (laughs) Like, brilliant, Tom. And I remember saying, God, I'm ready to let the pain go. And at that moment, it's like God's grace finally came because I was willing to trust that I could let go of past pain and I could receive grace. And it was as simple as just changing my mind because the truth and deception are at war with each other, I'm choosing to believe one camp over the other camp. So if I let go of the deception and receive truth, I instantly change camps. Now, that doesn't mean a lot has changed other than my mind changed. But until we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and it does not matter what it is, it could be sick and tired of drinking, sick and tired of drugging, sick and tired of getting in the wrong relationship, sick and tired of looking at porn, sick and tired of eating too many cupcakes, sick and tired of gambling, sick and tired of this, sick and tired of that, sick and tired of wasting my money and not paying my bills. Fill in the blank of what I'm sick and tired of. Until I get so sick and tired of doing it my way, change won't happen because I'm going to try it one more time my way. Well, you know, I can rob Peter to pay Paul. You know, I can... You know, if I drink beer instead of liquor, you know, if I, you know, drink beer and a little bit of cocaine, I won't black out. You know, if I only smoke weed, you know, like we try to manipulate the game and like somehow manage sin and think that next time it's not going to be as painful. And eventually we're right back doing the same thing that we think we're not going to do because we have this sin nature that wants to do more. Doesn't matter what it is, I want more of it. My flesh can never be satisfied except through Jesus. Until I lay down my flesh to Jesus and say, you are the only thing that can satisfy me. That I won't even attempt to let Jesus satisfy me, because I'm still trying to satisfy myself. But see, in this moment, that I'm choosing to say enough is enough, and I begin to say, Jesus, I need you to change the way I think and the way I feel. I'm going to still continue to try to change the way I I think and I feel through my own actions. And usually I'm using the wrong things to change how I feel and I'm acting out dysfunctionally. But as we begin to let go of certain past events and pray and process, you know, some things are more entrenched, You know, some of us have been through some really traumatic paths. You know, it's not like one prayer is poof. Oh, I'm instantly better. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and so often I see it, you know, in Christianity, well, just pray to forgive your abuser and then they're free and you're in grace. And I'm like, I've literally thought to kill that person a million times. One prayer is not enough to uproot that mindset that paradigm. Now if the power of God, the Holy Spirit comes and decides to uproot that thing through His ability, then that's a different story. Because He has that ability to bring us suddenly into our life when we pray these types of prayers because He is God. But most often, it's diligence of digging it out and digging it out and and resting the thought and resting the thought and resting the thought and resting the thought, bringing it back to the obedience of Christ pulling down these strongholds and saying, no, not today. I'm not thinking that way today. I'm going to trust in God's Word. And we begin to fight off the condemnation, and we begin to resist the sin nature, and we begin to proclaim that I am free in Christ. And so often that we have a list of sins that we do on a regular basis, and we can check a couple of them off because we're not really doing those anymore. you, know, Thank you, Jesus. But we have a handful of stuff that we're still pretty do, pretty much doing on a regular basis. So then we feel like, well, I'm not really free, you know, you know, I'm in my process, which gives me an excuse to keep doing it, <laughs> you know. And we have to recognize when I allow my excuses and my feelings to continue to drag me back into doing things that I don't want to do. And we have to begin to allow this truth to begin to dictate where I'm headed. Because where do we want to go? You know, the Bible tells us that a man without vision will perish. That if I'm constantly focused on how much I suck at life, and how much I have failed at getting myself free from sin, and all I'm looking at is all the wreckage of my past, of course, one more time, one more day is not going to be that big of a deal. But if I'm focused on Jesus and focused on His truth and focused on that I want to change life and focused on that, you know, I got some work to do, that it's a little bit easier to resist the temptation to pick that first one up, whatever it is. But if I'm focused on that, you know, all this pain that I'm feeling, that one more isn't that big of a deal, but technically one more is too many. But see, what is so important is that we realize that there's there's this battlefield in our mind. The enemy is attacking us, that we have our own two cents that we throw in there, and then God's truth and the Holy Spirit. So there's this war going on in our mind to who's going to win. And so often, what the enemy is presenting us with is a good time. But we end up allowing that good time to start to take place and we find ourselves in a very bad time. That we find ourselves in this condemnation, in this pit. You know, I've fallen again. You know, I can't believe I did it. You know, there's all these things that we say the second that we've done it again. And what's important is that we we recognize these areas that I've done it again. And that we truly repent and say, God, forgive me of this. You know, forgive me of of drinking again. Forgive me and allowing this relationship back in. Forgive me of looking at porn. Forgive me of eating cupcakes at midnight, which I did like a couple of days ago. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Well, I did that. I did it before. I did it. It doesn't matter if you did it before that we do it until we, we finally get free. Because if I choose not to do it, then I, I'm i not really turning to God in the moment, and I'm going to try to white-knuckle it into freedom. And the last I knew, that's never worked in the history of never working. I've never been able to get myself free. you know. And often that, that condemnation keeps me from repenting Because I'm just going to do it again. So we allow that mindset to keep me in this place, so I end up just doing it again. So we have to truly come before Him and repent and say, God, forgive me, and be specific. And the specific is the key. Because when I'm not specific, it's this generalized, God, forgive me of all the sin that I've ever committed. You know, and then I walk forward, and the enemy reminds me of a specific sin that I did and says, you're not really free of that. And then we're like, yeah, I'm probably not really free of that, so I might as well do it again. And when we're specific and say, God, forgive me of eating cupcakes at midnight, so the next time that I'm trying to walk forward, and the enemy's like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. You can eat cupcakes at midnight. And be are like, no, I've repented that sin, and Jesus has set me free of that sin, so Satan get behind me. And this war begins to take place that we rebuke the enemy out of our life. Because why? I'm standing on the truth that His blood has washed me clean. And if I don't begin to stand on that truth, I'm just going to continue to let my emotions and condemnation to dictate where I'm headed. I have to begin to fight spiritually. And at first you're going to feel like a nutcase because I'm talking to the devil. What am I doing? But truthfully, he's talking to you all the time. It's time that we start telling him the truth about what the deal is. Because the deal is that he's already been defeated. And we're not trying to fight for victory. We're fighting from victory. And when we have this mindset that we're fighting from victory, that we're not trying to gain anything, we're just trying to receive something. And I'm not trying to earn nothing. It was already given to me. It changes the game. And I'm trying to fight out a condemnation. No, I'm just trying to receive the blood of Jesus and tell the devil to back off because now I'm believing the truth. At that point, I can resist the enemy and submit to God. And the enemy begins to flee out of my life because he's like, oh, he got it. He's now believing truth. He's now understanding that the condemnation isn't true anymore because the blood of Jesus has washed that clean. Because we start telling the devil he's been defeated. We rebuke him out of our lives. And we have to take that stance. We might have to take that stance a hundred times. We might have to take that stance a thousand times. And eventually he realizes that we're getting it and the enemy flees. Now that doesn't mean that he won't come back. Because it, even in Jesus' temptations in the desert, when Jesus told him, it is written, and that's our defense, is it is written that Jesus' blood is washed Away my sins, it is written, devil, right here in my Bible. Romans 8, peace out. And until we begin to proclaim the Word of God over our lives, the enemy continues to poke our buttons and and stir up emotion, and we begin to continue in the same process around and around we go. You know, the dog returns to his vomit. Because the dog is not intelligent enough to know that that's probably a bad meal. (laughs) And what do we do? We continue to go back to sin. Why? Because we're not convinced that this is a bad idea. You know, well, one more time isn't that big of a deal. I've done it a hundred. Well, a hundred and one isn't going to make the fact that a hundred times it sucked. You know, we have to begin to stand on the truth and we have to begin to fight spiritually and paying attention to what we allow into our lives. You know, there's people in our lives that continue to bash us and tell us that we're worthless. And we need to say enough is enough and this person needs to go. There's stuff that we're listening to, whether it's music or TV or movies, that continue to trigger certain things in us. And is all TV or music bad? No. But we have to realize that I am, I'm new to this, I, I'm struggling in this, I'm fragile in this, so listening to music that makes me think about the fun of drinking and drugging might be a bad idea you know and we have to get ourselves around the truth we have to get ourselves around people that are going in the same direction you know the people places and things you know it seems like it's not that big of a deal but it's really a big deal especially in the beginning but what I love about the big book is it tells us that once we've worked our steps, that these things are going to get lifted out of our lives. In the thought of a drink, it'll be like recoiling from like sticking our hand in a hot flame. Now I believe that that's any sin. That if I allow God to change my heart and, and clean house, and I, I turn over my character defects, and I, I'm ready to, to let Him have them all, and I'm humbly asking Him to remove my shortcomings, and I become willing to make amends, that I get to this place where I'm free enough that I can go anywhere. And sin is not going to tempt me because I have no desire to go back to that. But when I got like two steps away from it, and I still got all the phone numbers in my phone, and I'm still traveling in some of the same neighborhoods, and I'm still struggling in my thoughts, that recalling from sin like it's sticking my hand in a hot flame, I'm not there yet. I need to realize that I'm powerless over this, and my life's unmanageable, and I need to realize that a drink and a drug's going to make this worse. A relationship's going to make this worse. Looking at porn's going to make this worse. A cupcake's going to make this worse. It doesn't matter what it is. I have to remind myself that that idol that I keep turning to is false, and it's destroying my life. And if I don't begin to receive the truth of God's Word, And his love for me, yeah, but you don't know what I did, Tom. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you did. If murderers and rapists can get set free in the Bible, even if you've murdered and raped somebody, God's word says that those people were set free, so why can't we be set free? It's believing God's Word over what we've done. So what you're telling me, Tom, is the God of the universe that created everything out of nothing, that set this giant clock in motion, that knew the exact time that Jesus would enter the earth and He lived this sinless life, and He died this sinless death on the cross to pay for all my sins, can take care of my sin? Yeah, actually I am telling you that. That He is that big that He can manage your life if you'd let Him. And so often, we're still the God of our lives. And because I won't forgive myself, I won't let God forgive me and perpetuates condemnation in my life. And Hebrews really addresses this issue because it says that wasn't one crucifixion enough. Do you need Christ to be re-crucified? And it's kind of sarcasm. Because Jesus paid for all sin of all time past, present, future. All sin has been taken care of upon the cross. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but I, I'm different. All sin. Once again, am I believing God's word above what I think or how I feel? Because when I allow my thinking and my feelings that contradict God's Word to be my truth, it perpetuates condemnation and perpetuates my sin nature to continue to act out trying to find relief in some area of sin that has not worked up to this point and therefore won't work the next time and won't work the time after that and won't work. And so often that insanity of thinking is that I'm using the very thing to relieve me of the stress that I'm trying to get free of the thing that I'm trying to get out of. So I'm using the thing to get away from the thing. And it's like this insanity that I'm using alcohol to help me to not drink because I don't like the feelings that I have when I'm not drinking. So why don't I drink alcohol? And around and around I go. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be drinking, it can be drugs, it can be pornography, it can be food, it can be relationships. Around and around we go, is I'm using the thing that's destroying me to set me free from the thing that's destroying me. Instead of believing that God's Word is the thing that's going to set me free from myself and my past. Because the blood of Jesus is that powerful that it washes all sin away. You know, what I find is amazing in God's Word is that Isaiah was written approximately 800 years before Jesus came. So Isaiah is this Old Testament prophet who is considered kind of crazy. In Isaiah 1.18, he says, come reason with me, says the Lord. So it's like an invitation to say, hey God, I don't believe what you're saying. So it's this invitation to say, I have doubts but I'm going to talk to you about it. And it goes on to say that He's going to wipe our sins away as fresh as newly fallen snow. That no matter if your sin is as deep as the stain of crimson, that it will be as white as wool. Now, to make something the color of crimson, 3,000 years ago, you'd have to use clays and berries and other earthly things and you would have to dip wool or what other substance that they were trying to dye over and over and over and over again. So the symbol of something stained as crimson was something that needed to be dipped in this dye dozens if not hundreds of times to get a dark red color. And what the symbol is, is no matter how bad, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, that He's going to wash it away like freshly fallen snow. And if you don't believe Me, come talk to Me about it. And if you start to talk to God about whatever it is that you're struggling with, and you really are coming to Him and saying, God, I don't think I can be free. And truly seeking Him, come reason with me, He says. Let me tell you my truth. Let me, let me tell you my story, my child. Let me show you in His Word where it says that you can be free. And we begin to allow His truth and His voice to be the very thing that's changing our mind so that our sin nature and our condemnation isn't directing our steps anymore. It's His voice. And we can say that God said, I am free. It is written that His blood has washed my sin away. And we begin to take the stitch that we can then remind the devil, you've already been defeated. Jesus defeated you on the cross. I don't have to defeat you. I just have to resist you. Because you have already lost the battle. My soul has been saved. When I accept Jesus Christ, death and resurrection is the payment for my sin. Because the wages of my sin is death. And Jesus paid that price for me and for you. So am I going to receive the payment for the the debt that I owe? Or am I going to continue to try to earn it, which I can never earn? That The Bible says that my righteousness is like filthy rags. That even when I attempt in my religiousness to try to find freedom in church or in God, that I find myself falling short. But when I can just say, Jesus, you did it. You set me free. And just because I begin to declare this over my life does not mean that my emotions will match it. And I have to begin to arrest the thought and bring it back to the obedience of Christ. Because my emotion will rise up. The second something bad happens, it's, oh, see, God didn't work. No. That I will have trials, and I can rejoice in them because He's strengthening me. He's teaching me how to persevere. He's strengthening my character. And through the Holy Spirit, I will find hope. We begin to declare parts of Scripture over our life and over our circumstances as it is actually the truth. And that our emotions are not real and not factual and are deceiving us, which then perpetuates our sin nature and the condemnation and around and around and around and around we go. Or we begin to declare truth over our lives and sink our heels in, And use that stubbornness that every single one of us in this room has for righteousness' sake. Use our pride, in a sense, in saying enough's enough. I'm not giving in this time. And stop being such a pushover to fall back into the things that we want to be free from. I remember many, many years ago, I said enough. Devil, you have destroyed my life since I was a little kid. And I am so tired of you winning this war in my mind and in my flesh that I am not allowing you to do this to me anymore. And I began to sit still. And I began to fight. And I began to pray. And I began to to truly believe that the Bible was more true than anything that i've ever thought or felt in my life because my thinking and my feeling has led me to here and how well is that working for us some of us were getting free some of us are more free than we were a year ago some of us are more free than we were a month ago sometimes it doesn't feel like you're more free than you were But the truth of the matter is, is you're consistent and you hang in there and you don't give in and you don't turn back to whatever it is. You just look back just a couple of weeks, you're more free than you were. You look back a month, you look back two months, you look back six months, you look back the last 4th of July, where were you? How bad was it last 4th of July? Look how much freer that you are now and yet you're still going around some of the same cycles. What if you said enough is enough and said, Jesus, I'm doing this your way. I'm going to give you the next year of my life and I am going to press in and I am going to sit still and I am going to do what I need to do and I'm going to pray and I'm going to read and I'm going to get accountable and I'm going to fight the devil and I'm going to see if your truth is real. I am going to come reason with you and I'm going to see if you're going to wash my sins away because I don't quite believe it. What if we gave Him the next six months? What if we said, enough, I'm going to get committed till Christmas and see what happens. I guarantee that you walk into this new year a completely new person. I guarantee it. If you give Jesus an opportunity to move in your life, He will change everything. And it will be the scariest, most awesome thing that you've ever done in your life. Because He continues to scare me. And He continues to do the most awesome stuff I've ever seen in my life. And once you start getting some momentum in this, you'll realize that anything the enemy tries to offer you is, is, is nothing that you want anymore. And it makes it real easy to resist it. It makes you very easy to recognize the deception and the lie. But we have to begin to stand on the Word of God. We have to begin to, to up the ante in our prayer life. We have to begin to up the ante in the time that we're spending in the Word. We have to get ourselves around people that are going in the same direction as we are because we, we fall so quickly when we're hanging out with people that are doing the stuff that we're trying to get free of. But those Christians are weird. I agree. Those people in recovery don't understand. I agree. It doesn't matter. If I hang out with people that are using, I'm going to use. Period. If I hang out with people that are not using, the likelihood of me not using goes up. Can I still use? Absolutely. But at least I'm giving myself a chance. I remember hanging out with Christians and I was barely sober and barely saved and I'm like, these are the weirdest people i ever met in my life. And I've been in some crazy places. I remember the first Holy Ghost meeting where people are doing all sorts of crazy stuff and I'm like, this is insane. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, you were in a crack house a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, touche. I guess I can handle this. There's times that stuff happens supernaturally that freaks us out. Because it's not in our natural mindset. But, as we press into Jesus, the whole like death and resurrection things would have been really weird to witness. But yet we're reading about it and we've heard about it and we've watched some movies about it and we're like, yeah, yeah, you know, Easter's cool, I get some chocolate and stuff. But when we really wrap our minds around the cross, the crucifixion, the blood of Jesus and what really took place, it explodes our understanding of how much He truly loved us and what He was willing to do and how He laid our lot, His life down to set our lives free. So I really encourage you, if you're struggling with this, take a minute and pray and ask Jesus, Come, go reason with Him. saying, I don't know if I can be free. I don't know how to set myself free. And allow His love to begin to come over you. Because his love changes the game. You just bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you that you have truly, truly reached into the darkness of every one of our lives and began lifting us out. But Lord, sometimes we just don't know how to let go. Sometimes we're trying to earn stuff that's freely given. Sometimes we want You to do stuff that we're supposed to do because we're new to this. Lord, help us to come reason with You. Help us to talk to You. Help us to pray. Help us to study. Help us to just continue to turn. Even if we fall fallen a thousand times, get back up. A righteous man falls seven times. So Lord, it doesn't matter how many times we've slipped into whatever it is that we slip into. We just have to keep coming before you and say, God, forgive me. I don't want to do this anymore. You have to give me the strength. Help us to listen to your voice, Lord. Help us to trust in your word, Lord. Help us to recognize how we get this emotional overload, Lord. And help us to begin to pull on your truth in those moments and saying, you love me, you love me, you love me. This is going to make it worse. This is going to make it worse. This is going to make it worse. Lord, help us to begin to trust in You when everything around us seems like it's falling apart. Lord, help us to trust in You that Your love for us is true. Your love for us is genuine. And that You will work all these things together for good. And we have no idea how that's going to happen. And help us to release control and help us to stop overanalyzing. Help us to just simply trust You. Help us to have faith in You. Lord, I ask Your power begin to move right now breaking us free from some of the things that we've been struggling with recently. I break off condemnation right now in the name of Jesus. I pull down the stronghold of condemnation. I loose peace and joy and love through the Holy Spirit. I pray the blood of Jesus over each and every one of us that our sins have been paid for. It doesn't matter how many times we've done them. It doesn't matter if we did them today. It doesn't matter if we were doing it on the way here. That your blood is more powerful than any sin that we've ever committed, no matter how many times we've committed it. And your blood can wash away our sins. And that your blood and your truth and your word and you are faithful to remove all unrighteousness if we truly repent and turn to you. So Lord, I ask that each and every one of us tonight spend some time with you and just ask you to set us free from the things that we no longer want to do in Jesus name I pray many many men